On this week's episode, GameSpot Australia joins us to talk about the new consoles and Watch Dogs Legion. Hello and welcome to episode 65 of GameSpot After Dark. I'm your host, Jake Decker, and joining me this week is Callie Plaguey. Hello. Edmund Tran. That's me. And Jess McDonald. Hello. It is a bittersweet episode, to say the least. Ed and Jess, this is your last week at GameSpot. We wanted to make sure we got you both in GameSpot After Dark. There are a lot of people in the Discord reaching out with support and whatnot. Uh, so I wanted to get you guys on for one last discussion about <laughs> games. And it's going to be a big one. I mean, we've got the PS5 and Xbox Series X we can talk about. However, we can't talk about much. So I thank you for all your questions you sent me, but like 90% of them I, we can't answer. But with that said, how are y'all doing? Oh, you know, pretty good. <laughs> Not too bad, thanks. <laughs> Despite other things happening. Uh, yeah, it's it's been exciting. It's been exciting to actually touch new consoles and like play next-gen games. Um it's a shame we can't stick around for the real deal, but it's exciting nonetheless. I mean, yeah. we could always like have you back on as a guest. We do do have guests on this show, so sure. I feel like sure. that's not totally out of the. I mean, maybe I'm speaking out of turn here. I'm just saying that's possible. <laughs> it's entirely possible. But anyway, normally we would start this show off with the Chris from Dayton, Ohio segment. Except I'm pretty sure both of you are, have already done it. However, it's been a while for Jess in particular because I think you did it like episode two. Yeah, like when you were in America. Is 63 episodes ago, if my oh math my is right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's been a while. So with that in mind, do you want to remind the people who you are, Jess? Not yeah. that they've forgotten, but... I'm Jess, um, as referenced. Uh, yeah, I am and have been and soon will not be a host and producer at GameSpot. Um, yeah, I, I've been with GameSpot for like uh, nine years doing a bunch of different jobs and different roles and uh, it's a blast. It's the best place ever. You guys are amazing. Um, yeah, and I play all kinds of video games. I'm excited for the consoles. I haven't touched either of the next-gen consoles yet, so I'm not your expert on that front, but get back to me on launch day. And I and I will have my PlayStation at least. So you have been playing some Baldur's Gate though, right? I, I know you're a big CRPG person. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that so far? Um, I'm really enjoying it. It's interesting because one of the main complaints I saw is that like someone saying they wouldn't recommend it on Steam, and that is just Divinity Three, Divinity Original Sin Three. That's fine. That's okay. <laughs> that, that's a ten, ten game right there. Yeah, I mean, if it's it is more of the same, and but I think that's probably something that I played Bold Skate when I was very very young. Um, the the earlier games. Uh, not all the way through, but I think that's something that would bother purists more than it bothers me. Uh, I think Divinity Original Sin 2 is probably the best RPG of this generation. Uh, so more of that is great. Um, the dice roll stuff is interesting. I'm a save scum person. Are you guys save scum people or oh, are you like, let's oh, yeah. just keep going, live with our choices, people? I don't say that I am, but I actually am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, Ed, because you've definitely told me, you're like, no, you just got to keep going, permadeath all the way. You just got to live with your choices. All right. I, maybe we're all save scum people behind closed doors. I already have to live with my choices in real life. I don't want to do that in a video game. I want to make sure everything is perfect. I'm right there with great. you. 
Yeah, so I was unfortunately playing it on um, a live uh, Twitch stream and I just didn't want to be judged by 100 people. So I was like, guess I should keep going and pretend that I'm not saved scum of the earth. But The shame of, of reloading the save. In the <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, this, so what's in this? What's missing? In, the, in uh, Baldur's Gate 3? Yeah, because it's early access, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't actually know. I've played two hours. Um, I don't know how much of the game it is. Do you guys know, Jake? You've played a bit of it, right? Uh, yeah, we played a bit in co-op. I I think it's right. like supposed to be like twenty hours long or so, which is pretty decently length. But it seems like it's just like maybe the first act of the game. I yeah. still owe the Discord a screenshot of my character who looks like Kim Kardashian. Oh my on gosh, accident. The, it was not on purpose. Dude, the characters are beautiful. Like, I lost my shit. Oh my God. My, <laughs> my character's girlfriend is so hot. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like you get done making your character, and then it's like, okay, now make the character that your character is into. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's a nice like, little okay. twist. <laughs> yeah. So, are all the races in this? Because I, I played this for like maybe half an hour, and like all that was in character creator, but it just seems like all the, the races are basically just humanoid. Um, and just like half human half elf half devil thing and like it's, i guess the devil thing was like the most out there uh species or race um is there more to come do you know like are there gnomes and dwarves and stuff there is a dwarf i okay. think it's a i think um it might have a different name halfling 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 okay. yeah um but there's about seven which is pretty good the character creator is really extensive um yeah. and also it's just nice because like i remember back playing old um elder scrolls games and there was just no way to have a good looking character like they were all like ugly <laughs> and oh my god there was just no way uh so it's nice to play an rpg where you're just like yeah i'm cool i look good the, the meta game of any character creator is making the hottest possible character yeah that you can do <laughs> i i'm really proud of my bloodborne character who is i think the hottest possible uh, Bloodborne character you can make, which is not saying a whole lot. <laughs> the Dark Souls character creators are notoriously uh, bad for trying to make good-looking characters. Everyone yeah. looks so pale uh, yeah. and like deathly. Your next Try. challenge, Callie, should be uh, Elder Scrolls Four because <laughs> all the characters look like they swallowed bees or something. <laughs> yeah, I I will make it. I will do my best to make it hot. I think that's a series. I mean, I know Monster Factory is all. It's the opposite of Monster Factory. Is all my right. pitch. So I'd tune in for that. I'd watch that. <laughs> Anyway, Ed, do you want to refresh the people on who you are? Yes. Hello. Uh, I am Edmund Tran, and I have been at GameSpot for 12 whole years, uh, working in Australia in various roles as well. I started off as a video producer and kind of did a lot of video for about half my time and then became an editor and did a lot of writing. Um, and yeah, I, that's basically me. And I guess I've been doing a lot of reviews lately and all that kind of stuff. And so you may have seen me... Um, write some of you some reviews of your favorite games or your least favorite games uh or your I've had favorite a lot of... games that you scored <laughs> you, low <laughs> no, you, say, I, that, yeah, you exactly. say that just for fallout 76 that's the reason <laughs> yeah you said that. oh and uh, let's not forget shadow of the tomb raider i was gonna say shadow <laughs> of the tomb raider. right yeah <laughs> um still i i i'm i i hold on to that score i think that was an accurate score and looking in retrospect I, like of the three tomb raider games that was the right thing to to score it i think absolutely I, um, what did you give it I gave it a six. I that always tell people you'll regret a high, if you're on the fence, you'll regret the higher score more often than you'll regret the lower score. I only regret Definitely. one score that wasn't high enough, and that's Stardew Valley. That's the only score I'm like, that wasn't high enough. But what score did I'm you like, start here? 
I gave Stardew like an 8.4 or something at IGN. Oh, and I'm right. like, nah, 9.8, baby. <laughs> <laughs> My only score regret was Into the Breach. I regret that I didn't make that a 10. God, that um, game is so good. It's so good. And the more you play it, the more uh, yeah, the more it reveals itself to be just like an intricately designed uh, piece of, uh, yeah, it's like a strategy game that is just perfect to play again and again and again. And it's just, yeah, big regrets. But anyway. <laughs> I... I uh, Really don't know how I'm going to do my job without you, Ed. Um, I'm just going to say that really quickly. I'm not going to harp on it too much, but Ed has been absolutely instrumental in uh, GameSpot's review coverage. Um, if you don't know, if you don't like look at the byline when you uh, read reviews, Ed has done basically uh, everything ever. And uh, we even had a Game of the Year discussion where we were like, <laughs> we have to wait until Ed's awake because um, he reviewed like eight of the ten games on this list we're talking about. <laughs> um so yeah you'll be fine there are no games coming out <laughs> there are yeah there's no more yeah, games games are canceled easy uh jess has also reviewed a lot of games so just from a reviews editor perspective um you guys know your games and also i love you god you'd hope so oh, i love you too <laughs> what it's worth to be hugely sappy um i would not have reviewed anything if it wasn't for you callie like just right. like having internal like support and someone to be like, no, you can do this. You are capable of it. Like you're the best. Anyway, you both are. Yeah. You're all great. This was so premature for this episode, but I just had to say it. <laughs> no, I love it. I do have a question, Ed. It's a little off topic here, but you you said you were a producer and an, and now an editor. Have you ever called yourself a predator? <laughs> I've seen some people do this. This isn't like a, I've seen people on like LinkedIn have like who? predator. Who says this? I thought you were doing an Arrested Development like analysis. Oh my thing god! I, I know it's bad, but like I don't know many producer oh editors. So I people think put this on LinkedIn. What? I think one time I saw it on LinkedIn that someone had described themselves as a predator. Oh, it's like when people are like, "I'm a social media ninja." I actually uh. know who it is, but I'm not going to say it on the podcast. <laughs> oh my god! But anyway, it's a big week. There were. Quite a few games out and coming out, uh, but Callie, do you want to start? What have you been playing? Sure. I just wanted to say that um, for the first time since I got the game, I missed a day in Animal Crossing New Horizons. Oh, no. Um, it's because I've been playing Persona 5 Royal, and it is the only game I care about <laughs> ever. And yes. yes. I, I, I just really needed to take a second to say that I am absolutely kicking myself for not playing it sooner. And um, it is my game of the year so far. Um, I'm not even like a third of the way in. I'm already like, this is the this is the best. This is the absolute best. I regret waiting. I so I'm so mad that I waited this long. I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I forgot um, that I mean, it came out this year. <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean I've tried. I I really I think the secret sauce was being humble and playing with the English voiceover. Because I was like, I'm going to play with the Japanese voiceover because I hate how they say Sakamoto like that. And um, and then Jake was like, why don't you play with English? The English like, is good. The English is good. And there's so much Makoto. reading. Makoto. Makoto. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, um, uh, there's so much reading and so much to take in in the first like 10 hours of that like tutorial period that um, I think – the first couple times I tried to play the game, playing it in Japanese really hampered my ability to get through that. Mm -hmm. um, and I definitely like, I'm already at the point where I like, I'm going to replay this with the Japanese voiceover um, just to strengthen, because like, I want to practice Japanese, but um, 
I am absolutely obsessed with it, and Yay. it caused me to not play Animal Crossing New Horizons, which says everything. That's crazy. <laughs> is this your first time through it? Yes. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Th- this isn't a bad time to start playing it, I don't think, because Persona Royal came out, or Persona Five Royal came out uh, this year. So it's not like you're playing Persona Five from 2017 or whenever yeah. it came out. Yeah. It at least has some like relevancy, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like Persona 5 Royal could be a game of the year contender, you know? Definitely. Yeah. There are many people yeah. on the staff who would say that for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I haven't touched it because I, I went through the original, but Jess, you've played both now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Royal's really different. Um, it's Really? Like, really yeah. different? Yeah. Because the new stuff isn't just like tacked on at the end. Because yeah. I'm a person who doesn't play DLC that comes out like a year or two after the original mm-hmm. game because I'm done with it. Uh, but this is, there's so many new mechanics and the two new characters and new story elements that are all woven in that it's like playing enough of a new game. I guess it's like a director's cut of a favorite movie. It's just mm. like there's enough extra all the way through that you don't feel, especially having played uh, the first one right after it came out. It's been a while anyway. Uh, God, I love replaying that game. I had such a good time. It's Who, who do you like so far, Callie? Um, I really like uh, Takumi, who's the um, goth doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I just like her whole vibe, and um, I, I have a soft spot for On because I feel like I just feel for her so much, and I, mm. I am sad because nobody ever says their best girl is On, and I, I feel bad for her because she's she's nice. Because you haven't <laughs> met Makoto yet. I have met Makoto, uh, oh. and. I but I, I'm like kind of like in the early stages of her thing, um, but yeah, I I I'm like oh nobody likes you enough. I'm sorry, but your whole thing is that people were mean to you because they thought you were a slut. So <laughs> I want to be nicer to you. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm very much very much into it. And yeah, like from what I know about what's new, I think like. You know, I haven't I haven't really played I played some of the original, so it just seems like a natural extension of the mechanics that were there. Like they just like they don't feel like superfluous, if that makes sense. Um, like especially the baton pass mechanic, I think is so smart and works so well with what the game yeah. is and what the themes are. Um yeah, I I'm just like I I I started a one hundred hour game right when the new consoles were launching. That's on me. But uh, I don't regret it at all. And Jake's right. I actually can justify it to myself because we, you got to play the games that came out this year. We did give Mm -hmm. it 10. So, yeah, it'll be a contender for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Far out. Final Fantasy came out this year. That's wild to think about. Oh my God, it did. I played that game too. I need to play that one. Anyway, I kind of messed this up a little bit because I didn't see you put Baldur's Gate 3 on what you've been playing, Jess. So I asked you questions about it during your (laughs) intro. But. Is there anything you'd like to add about Baldur's Gate right now? <laughs> um, <laughs> I can just keep talking about Persona. Um, <laughs> you know, Persona 5 is the first JRPG I ever played. Ever? I never played JRPGs. Did I make I, you play Persona 4 at one point? Yeah, I tried, but I couldn't get into it because I thought it was way too okay. grindy. And it's way less grindy than Persona 4. Try Persona 4 on PC because yeah? you can like – mess with the settings so much to get rid of the grind entirely like i've played the beginning of persona 4 a couple times but i decided on pc and just crank the xp up crank the money up so i just sprint through the dungeons and that is it and then it's all just chatting with people okay i I, I mean i was gonna say i don't know how you would ever go back in time to play a jrpg after persona 5 like 
Like, I, I feel like I wouldn't be able to recommend you one that would be like, that would get its hooks in you more. Like I would really struggle, but I think, yeah, yeah Jake's solution with uh, P4G on, uh, is it, is it golden that's on PC? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and a lot of um, like Square Enix games are including those options too, which, you know, make them a lot more playable in this modern day and age, which is nice. Mm. It's a good idea. Well, speaking of JRPGs, how's Watch Dogs, Ed? <laughs> <laughs> you can make it a JRPG if you want. Yeah, no, you can't. I heard there's cat girl cosplayers. Oh, really? I've not encountered one yet. Alessandro sent me a bunch of footage of the crazy people that he got um, recruited into his squad, uh, and I've not encountered any of those people yet. <laughs> really? Uh, but yeah, Watch Dogs, yeah, Watch Dogs is, is, is really good. I'm only like a, maybe 10, 15 hours in so far, and I played a bunch in previews, so I've mostly just been retreading that ground. But... I quite like it so far. Like I am really enjoying the players anyone uh, mechanic where you can just pick up anyone off the street and recruit them. And I got really addicted uh, in the first few hours to like scouring the streets of London, trying to put together the perfect crew. And so I was spending all my time doing that, just walking down, like looking at everyone's traits and stuff. And, you know, I'd talk to them and like listen to their voice. And I was like, I don't really like your voice that much. Sorry. (laughs) You got good skills, but I don't really want to hear you for like 20 hours. And so it's that... um, yeah, I've heard someone refer to it as like a, a civilization style, one more turn kind of thing. Like you just see one more person, one more person. You try and get their mission and try and recruit them. And yeah. Um, yeah, so I like that part. I am. I did start charging through the story a little bit. And then uh, in doing so, seeing sort of the limitations of um, that players anyone mechanic, because I feel like, you know, a person will come with a set of skills. They might have one skill or four skills, um, but that'll be it for the game, basically. Um, and while, like, you can do most uh, things with uh, most people, so, for example, if you have a hacker character and you have, or you have an assassin character or you have, um, you know, a character that relies on drones or whatever, they can all kind of go through missions the same way. They can all do stealth. They can all do gunplay. They can all do melee combat really well. It's just varying degrees of where they might excel even further. And so that kind of just feels a little bit samey after a while When you, if you're not just purely role-playing in your head. Like mechanically, it is the same. And I, I can't, yeah, knowing that I'm just at the beginning of the story and knowing that I'll have a lot more story missions to go yet makes me realize that there isn't much progression with these characters. I just can collect more, but each one doesn't really evolve in, its, in their own unique way. Um, which is both a blessing and a curse um, because, you know, having everyone be capable is good. Um, in the preview stages, I talked a lot about how there are some certain characters with some negative traits, um, c- certain people who have uh, a specific, um, yeah, they, they have debuffs basically. Like some might die permanently, some move slower, some can't do this, some can't do that. And I think playing with those kind of characters might make it a lot more interesting um, because you need to actually cater your play style in a, in a particular way. You're for, kind of forced to do that. And um, permadeath as well. You can just set a like a like a universal permadeath option on when you start the game, um, and I think that would make the game a lot more interesting too. You you definitely like play a lot more carefully as you do with permadeath, and I think you'd really cherish those characters a little bit more. Like, yeah, but um, so far, pretty good. Yeah, I've been playing it too. And speaking of saves coming, I've been playing on permadeath and, uh, you know, maybe character died and I just hit alt F4 and they were back. Uh, I, I have similar feelings as that though. I really enjoy the fact that you can 
play as any character. I think that's really neat. And they do some really cool things with that, especially with like the deep profiling, how you can kind of track their history with DeadSec and basically look at their schedules, see what they do. And there's there's some like stories coming out about how if you if someone's spouse dies or something like that, then they might visit the graveyard or something to the, or they might visit their grave or something like that. And and those details are super cool, but the story so far hasn't grabbed me. And I think it's for the reasons that you kind of mentioned too. It's just, there's no centralized protagonist. So it just kind of feels, it, 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 it feels imprecise, I guess. Yeah. There's only way. so much you can get emotionally invested in a, in a story when it has to cater to so many different options, I guess. Um, totally you know yeah but but yeah having those options and building the team that you want the team that yeah you know of all different races shapes and sizes is is really great i just wish they could they could go a bit further with it but that obviously (laughs) takes a lot of work yeah Yeah. alessandro definitely had a a similar take um he wrote our review and like but there was one example from his review that i wanted to mention because it was just super interesting is that he went to recruit a character and um found out that at some point earlier in his game, um, a different character who he was playing as had hit that person with a car. So they hate yeah. dead sick. <laughs> and I thought that was really cool and interesting. And that kind of thing I think would like that kind of uh, emergent, he described it as like elements of immersive Sims uh, in yeah. that, that game are really um, like where it, it shines. So um, I'm definitely interested in it. Yeah. I mean, it is directed by Clint Hawking who did, Splinter Cell and Far Cry 2, uh, which especially Far Cry 2 was like, I don't know, an early AAA example of an immersive sim shooter. So it's not that surprising that Watch Dogs Legion is doing this too, which I'm which is why I'm super interested in this yeah. game. Uh I will say another thing that really stood out about this game is that this seems like the first Ubisoft game that actually tries to make a stance on things going on in the world rather than just to quote Alessandro again, using it as uh window dressing, which I have been kind of impressed by some of it's a little heavy just cause it's obvious. Like there's stuff about how authoritarian uh, leaders like basically claim the media is fake news and then swoop in and take power because of that. And it's just like, Hmm, that sounds very familiar. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder where this comes from. Uh, but, but, I, I do find that interesting because Ubisoft for so long has been like banging on that drum. Like, oh no, our games are apolitical. We're not going to talk about any of that stuff. But Watch Dogs seems to hit that stuff really hard, which is interesting. Yeah, I think it is good that Ubisoft actually made this like real world London. Like it's not like a fake, it's not like a fake alternate reality London. It's not like a, a Far Cry style America that's this little isolated pocket it's like actually london and sort of extrapolating the current events and how they might evolve over time is yeah that's a that's a pretty it's a good move it's uh i'm glad they're going against their our games aren't political thing because this is most definitely political i'm not sure how much of a hand the team themselves had a had a role in that um it's a good way forward though um i think a lot of a lot of the writing out there sort of notes that it, it is they can only say so much because they are limited by being an Ubisoft game. You know, it's mm-hmm. still a game mm-hmm. where you'll have to, you know, raid outposts and do that kind of stuff. And there's only so much you can do with that formula um, to to sort of support your message of, um, you know, collective action and rising up and so on and so forth. Um, and I, yeah, I do share a lot of the sentiment out there that wishes there was more, actually more teamwork in this game because even though you are collecting a lot of people, you are doing a lot of these missions solo 
Um, and it's like I was saying before, everyone can kind of do, do everything. And there isn't a sense of characters supporting each other with their own skills. Um, I think I think I read this in Austin Walker's um, article on Vice, which is really good. And yeah, like not having a way to sort of um, embody that collective action in the in terms of the gameplay mechanics um, feels like a missed opportunity, but hopefully something that can come out um, once, you know, someone who isn't beholden to the Ubisoft open world mold can do something like this. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I think it's a good a good step forward, especially for AAA games, you know, mm-hmm. but I, and that kind of sector needs to take baby steps. Um, the premise itself seems like an indie, like it doesn't seem like something from a AAA game. Like you can play as any character, any of these dumb looking NPCs you can yeah. be. Other than Watch Dogs, I've also been playing Ghost Runner. Uh, it came out the other day and that game is real good. It looks great on PC too with ray tracing and max settings and all that. It, I, I think Blessing tweeted it's basically Katana Zero, but in uh, but 3D. And I'd say that pretty much hits the nail on the head. But the music is good. The action is good. It's, it. it's very difficult. Lots of like try, retry sort of like quick reloads because you're going to die a lot. I've seen it described as um, Cyberpunk Mirror's Edge, which just to give people an idea of like kind of what it if you don't know it goes way more lethal but yeah yeah Yeah, it looks great on gifs on twitter um it seems (laughs) it seems like a lot like titanfall titanfall had katanas basically a lot of wall running yeah there's there's a lot of wall running a lot of like jumping around you can like slow down time and like dodge mid-air which is really cool and there's a blink ability that like pretty much plays like blink from uh uh, dishonored except anyone in your line of sight just gets eviscerated by your sword (laughs) That's pretty cool. So it's like a ninja sim, basically. Basically, it's cyberpunk ninja sim. Yeah. So what's the structure like? Is it like a a stage-based game or is it like trials or? Yeah, so it it, it is stage-based in that like when you finish an area, you get greeted with like a little scoreboard with your time, uh, how many times you died. But usually there's like a there's, there's like a story that kind of has a, a a a through line through it so when you finish a stage you see the score thing but then it just kind of loads you right into the next area they don't feel disconnected it just you know in between areas it's like here's your score which normally would bug me but considering this is a game all about being being very quick and very careful and very uh, uh stylish uh, stylish i'm totally cool with that and and i immediately like after i did the first couple missions i went back and started replaying them because it's like okay now i've kind of got my reflexes down i know what i'm doing so i'm going to try to do this better and better and better cool is you playing on pc i'm playing on pc yeah it feels like this kind of game might be a bit trickier on a controller i yeah i normally i like to play games with a controller on my pc because i'm a filthy casual (laughs) but with this game i started up and i was like i don't don't think I want to do a controller. And yeah, I can't imagine playing this on a controller. I also saw that some people were saying that it doesn't look too great on PS4. I haven't played on PS4. I haven't even seen footage of PS4. I don't know if that's true or not, but I can say that it is like stunning on PC. As most things are. As most yeah. things are, yeah. Yeah. If, if your PC can handle it. I had to cap the frame rate because it was chugging a little bit with my 2080 ti which i was like come on don't do this to me okay i I have a 970 so you know yeah this game might struggle a little bit i'm sure you could run it though oh actually that reminds me i also started amnesia rebirth so that's the other game oh yeah i only played an hour because i played it till i got too scared and had to turn it off and it was nighttime you get it um (laughs) it's exactly the same same as a regular amnesia (laughs) game so far except uh reborn matches 
So that's different. And matches are sometimes in like containers. So you pick up, because it's always been really intense with the physics. Like you could always pick up all like all kinds of crap and then turn it around and then put it back down because there's nothing to actually do with anything. But now you can like smash jars and there's you might find like one match inside, which are essential. Otherwise you go crazy and see scary things. But I'm going to try and tough it out. I believe in you. Thanks. <laughs> I'm, I uh, I was scared to play Phasmophobia and I am, uh, but I've overcome that. So maybe I can overcome my apprehension about amnesia. Yeah. It's, it's, a, God, they do such a good job though. Like it's still got like all of the power at just horror storytelling that um, Dark Scent did and um, Penumbra before that. They just really know what they're doing with just building like a narrative that they force you to watch because they just mess up your screen and like have uh, the VO run over it. And um, yeah, and the uh, immersive sort of things that just randomly happen to you. You just scare yourself though. It, it's it's so smart with, it doesn't need to throw zombies at you or do anything like that. Most of the time you'll be the most scared. It's just that you happen to be in the dark and you think you saw something. Mm-hmm. It's like not when something is in front of you growling. That is like the not the scary part they've just always been really clever at um developing those kinds of games and it's still really good so far well anyway with that we should probably talk about these new consoles i think between all of us here we should have an xbox series x and a ps5 callie i know you got a ps5 i have an xbox series x ed you have an xbox series s xbox series x and PS5? I, I played a PS5 at Sony's offices. I don't actually have one physically. Uh, okay. But, you so know, you're ahead of all of us, though. Yeah, I'm winning, basically. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, consoles, huh? Yeah, so we can't actually talk about a whole lot. We can only talk about the box itself. We can't go into UI, games, how they run, etc. We do have a lot of coverage of the Xbox Series X up in particular for the preview event. So if you're curious about load times and whatnot, you can check out some of those videos on GameSpot. But for the retail units, we can't talk about a whole lot. However, Ed, you can't talk about AstroBot, right? <laughs> yes, a PlayStation game. Um, yeah, AstroBot, um, which Astro's Playroom, rather, uh, which is the sort of pack-in game for the PlayStation 5, is it's an Astrobot game, so it's sort of like a 3D platformer Mario style, like really, really well designed um, gameplay flow. Uh, it's it's a game that keeps you keeps you in it, like it keeps you moving forward and um, interacting with different mechanics and doing fun things all the time. And it's very very charming. But this one is designed specifically as a showcase for the DualSense controller. Um, and what a showcase it is! Let me tell you, I mean. If you had told me that I would get excited about a PS5 controller and its HD rumble like analog, I would not have believed you. But it is it's it's really impressive. Like it's it's crazy how much uh subtlety um and sort of all the different kind of uh sensations that it can communicate via your hands. Um so I guess one of the initial things, like even just simply running around on different surfaces will have a different sensation. Um uh coming through coming through your hands and it it feels fun to just skid around on ice or like trudge in the sand or like swim in the water and all that kind of stuff but yeah no it's it's really good so basically the what i can talk about is sort of the first stage which is cooling springs and there's a lot of footage of that out there and that sort of takes you through um yeah it's set inside a ps5 um 
And so you'll go into like the SSD land and like Cooling Springs, which is the fan land, <laughs> which is which is kind of neat. Um, and actually, this whole thing is sort of a um, an homage to PlayStation history. So like a lot of the collectibles you'll find in the world are like bits and pieces from PlayStation uh, PlayStation's sort of uh, product lineup over the past twenty five years. So like a pocket station or like weird things like that, and that's that's a lot of fun. Um, but anyway, in Cooling Springs, you're, it's like a beach, beachy slash icy area and you'll be doing a lot of like swimming and like the pulling of like little cables on the ground. Um, but the, the standout bit was a bit where you get into a, a frog suit, you jump into a frog suit, you use the touchpad to zip it up. Um, and then you, it then turns into a 2d side scrolling sort of, uh, like a, like a, like a, like a springy game where you control a frog by making it jump. And to do that, you press and hold the triggers. And the thing with the dual sense is that those triggers can provide resistance. And so as you're pushing down on the swing, you can feel the controller fighting you as you sort of build that uh, kinetic energy and then release it. And so you're using the motion um, of the dual sense to try and uh, angle the, the angle of your jumps and then um, adjust the strength to suit and make tricky jumps from moving platforms and get coins to get upgrades and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and, and, you know, being an Astrobot game, it's it's really easy to breeze through, but you want to explore and find all the bits and pieces, um, which which I didn't really do. I actually played through the demo twice, and on the second time doing the frog thing, I could feel my fingers like physically getting tired from like having to fight these bloody triggers like for you know twenty minutes. So it's it's really impressive, and I I've been told that you can adjust the uh, the the strength of them universally. So if you you know don't have as much strength in your fingers, you can take that down. Um, but yeah, that's that. It's very impressive, um, and just things like walking into a wind tunnel and like fight, like feeling the controller like fight you. It's it's crazy. It's um, and just not something I ever thought I would be impressed by. Um, and yeah, this this feels like a next gen thing. Like it feels like something I couldn't get on the DualShock, and not even on um, the Switch's HD Rumble. Like this is this feels way a way more fleshed out version of that. And I really hope that. Um, third parties like actually make use of it it sounds like some of them are because there's some talk of um the developers of death loop using the triggers to like um sort of uh, replicate the experience of a gun jamming on you um and that would be really cool and if if that all that stuff follows through after launch like playstation will be like a really good place to play a lot of these games just to see what they do with it. It, it astro's playroom seems kind of like from from this initial look that we're talking about the cooling springs area seems kind of like a proof of concept that that we sports was where it's just like here's actually the potential of, of why this is fun and why this is interesting and um why like it should be utilized and hearing you talk about it uh, just makes me like really want to to play a lot more just because I, I haven't had the time to really check out the ps5 in the uh the depth that i want to um unfortunately and um to d- tonight was going to be my my big night where i like broke it out and like i actually sat down and played and so i'm just really really excited hearing you talk about it um because i am not usually the i'm really not the person that's like i care so much about 4k it's gonna look so good like my eyes don't really work great anyway so i like don't care um but the controller sensations and how that can affect gameplay is definitely very interesting to me and not something that, um, you know, at first blush, I was super interested in. But yeah, just hearing you talk about it gets me very excited. Well, Kelly, since you have opened the PS5, you've looked at it. Mm-hmm. Do you have any preliminary thoughts on the look of the box? Absolutely. Uh, I thought it was going to be stark white. It's not. 
I was, I, that's, that's the it's first not. thing. The first thing that I noticed was color hey, is is, it? it's kind of gray, like oh. it's a lightish gray. Oh. And I, from every press photo, even from the box, like the box it comes in, I thought it was going to be like stark white and it is not. Um, also the detail on the controller that it's all like X's and O's and squares and triangles, um, on the underside of the controller is very cute. I would not have noticed if we hadn't posted a tweet about that, but I, th- I thought that was cool. And um, it is so incredibly heavy. I I thought standing up it would be easy to knock over, especially like if you have like a cat or something that's like gonna fuck with you. But like it's very very heavy and pretty pretty sturdy. Um, those were my like big takeaways. Yeah. I'm kind of nervous that the controller is gonna get gross really quickly. Not that I'm like eating Cheetos and playing games. That's a really good point. But like, if you had like makeup on your hands, yeah. or like anyone who uses fake tan and stuff, that's gonna get messed up real yeah. quick. Yeah, even just sweat like build up, like all those yeah. little like rivets, it will trap that stuff and it will start oh, to yeah. look gross. So you will need to get like a nail brush or something and just like scrub your control every once in a while. I think. Yeah, I have a white mouse for my PC and. <laughs> I regret getting a white mask for my PC. <laughs> so when I saw the all white, like, like I know everyone wants wants a black PS Five, and I and I'm there, but like, I didn't think I'd care that much until I really thought about it. And it's like, yeah, that's gonna get dirty real fast. And it's like another reason why I was more interested in the Series X over the Series S is because it's not white, and I don't need to worry about the control turning a brownish white color after yeah like after you know a couple years of use because like this xbox one controller i have here i've been using for years and it is kind of gross but it would i'm sure would look a lot grosser (laughs) if it was white yeah hey but maybe i'd get rid of it sooner maybe that's the plan you mm, just buy new ones quite right (laughs) the capitalism angle no it um Yeah. yeah like the the weird yellowing of um not black electronics is not my favorite feature of those colors for sure um yes that that was my main worry but i was honestly very surprised at the color i did not i like it it's like a just a very very light gray um Mm. i'm probably the only person that cares about that because i think most people care (laughs) if it's either white or black they're not like "Ooh, it's light gray my favorite but i sat there and looked at it for a while and i was like are my eyes okay should i change the lighting i took it to a different room I like held up a piece of paper next to it just to like verify for myself. <laughs> I went the, yeah, I really went, I went through like the five stages of grief trying to figure out what color it was. Had to white balance your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> what about like fingerprints? Do you see a lot of fingerprints on the box no. from touching it? The white panels are, I think they should be okay, but the black bit in the middle is a dust yes. magnet. Absolutely. And I think oh, really? It yeah. will be a finger, I think it will be a fingerprint magnet if you touch that area. And I don't think they want you to touch that area, but you probably will because you're going to plug in USB stuff into it. You can take the panels off, but I wouldn't because they are yeah. very fingerprint, dust-resistant kind of material for sure. So I, I think the – got to say the, the port um, sort of location on the front of the PS5 is just – it's just a little bit weird. It's just like in the middle, you know? It's like there's – it doesn't seem like there's been a lot of thought into like the stylings of that, but maybe there has been. It's just you're just looking at a, a behemoth of a console, and there's just like a USB port right in the middle of it, <laughs> yeah. just staring at you like a tiny eye. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably talk a little bit about the Xbox Series X and S as well. Unfortunately, I don't have a Series S, but I see one back there in your <laughs> in in your background, Ed. 
I thought this was an audio-only podcast. <laughs> it is. We like to but, narrate yeah. for the audience okay. like an old-timey radio show. Basically, Ed's pulling a Phil Spencer here where he's got consoles <laughs> hidden behind yeah. him in places. Um, yeah, whereas the PS5 was like, when I first saw it, I was like, damn, that thing is big. Like, it's bigger than I even thought. The, the S is like, wow, that's actually smaller than I thought. And it's it's really cool. Like, you can hold it in one hand. It's light. I think it's like two kilos, which is like, I don't know how many pounds that is. That's like one and a half pounds or something like that. Okay, thank um, you. I was like, I don't know how much Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, it's like <laughs> two four kilograms wait, in yeah. pounds. Four pounds. Four pounds. Okay. Four pounds. That's a lot of pounds. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a lot smaller than you think it is. Um, it's, it's very sleek. It's just, like, it, honestly, it's just a white box and it's very bright white uh, compared to the PS5. And it's, it's just really striking. Like, the, like when my wife saw it, it's like, wow, they actually make nice looking consoles now. Um, it's like, yeah, this, yeah, if I wasn't like into like games, and I didn't have to like buy all these consoles. Like this would be the only one I would consider like putting in my house. Um, yeah. And it's really small. It's really, um, cool. Neat. Yeah. It's really adorable. I don't have one, but my housemate, Eddie Maku has one and it's like, I was like, this is so cute, which is a really weird way to describe a console, but it's adorable. <laughs> it, it's so small. It it's so cute. I, I agree with you. And I would like, if I wasn't going to be getting a variety of consoles, like that would be the one I would choose just from a, an aesthetic perspective, just cause it, it's like, it's, it's just nice and neat. It yeah. goes with everything. We were talking about white um, technology, but I do, I do like the look of it, despite that. Um, yeah, let's just hope it doesn't yellow. Yeah. Well, then we also have the Series X, which once again we can't say too much about, other than how it looks and whatnot. Which I'm sure people are very familiar with the size of this console, what it looks like, because. Once again, that was sent out early for preview. GameSpot has videos on the size of this box, but having held it for the first time, uh, you know, the other day, pretty much, I was pretty impressed. Like it is, it it is heavy, but it feels very compact. If that makes sense, like it it yeah. it, it feels like it is about as big or is about as small as it could possibly be with everything in there, which is something I really like. I I really like the design of it. The sort of just obelisk fridge-like shape i really like i know people like to meme on it but i think it's great you have to use two hands to pick it up you can't do it one-handed which is the only bummer for me <laughs> like yeah, as, as a true. measure of it needs a, it needs a gamecube handle on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would like, that's an accessory someone should make <laughs> is that like is this a portability concern or just like an overall like this is your metric for a good size for a piece of technology just a portability concern. I mean, mm. you know, when you're moving stuff, you want to have one in each hand, you know, make the most most efficient um, use of your time and going back and forth too many times. But the Xbox, you got to pick it up with two hands, going to move it safely because otherwise you're going to drop it. I mean, you're going to your <laughs> LAN party that we're totally allowed to have <laughs> exactly. right now. <laughs> yeah. I will say it does seem to attract thumbprints or fingerprints and whatnot. Uh, more than I expected considering it's matte black. It's not super bad, but as I was moving it around and stuff, I did, you know, light shone in a certain way and I was like, oh yeah, I'm already getting <laughs> fingerprints on that. I want to get rid of that if I can. I just gleaned this from the box, so correct me if I'm wrong, but is the D-pad some, more similar to the Xbox Elite controller's D-pad where it's like an eight-directional instead of a four-directional? Yeah, it's it's kind of like a hybrid, isn't it? It's 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 got the circular pad, but it has the four directional um, uh, yeah, protrusions to make more precise movements on the four way. 
um, which I quite which I quite like. Yeah, I like that too. That's the attachment I have on my Elite controller because I'm I am a true gamer and I <laughs> purchased that for my own use. And uh, I so when I saw that on the box, I was like, oh, this looks exactly the same, except for my fancy attachment on my Elite controller. But it's part of the re- the regular, not Elite version. And that's all I noticed so far, aside from the part, it looks like a computer tower and I have no opinion on that whatsoever. I'm not the kind of person who's going to get worked up about that and be like, it looks like a fridge. Do not care. Yeah. The box itself looks pretty cool. Like it opens up and then the console <laughs> yeah. just sitting yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. It's wrapped like a Christmas present too. And it's it got is like a little thing around it that says, power your dreams. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> Xbox, I can't wait to power my dreams. <laughs> That's plug this into my head while I sleep. I was gonna say you could tell we're all star for social interaction. That they, that made me emotional. Like, oh, power your dreams. Thank you. Like, oh no, God. Well, we do have some questions that we're gonna get to that people submitted on Discord. But before we do that, there's one more piece of news that is worth talking about. I don't know how much we're gonna talk about it, just because we've talked about a very similar piece of news about three times now in this <laughs> podcast. But Cyberpunk got delayed again. It's coming out December 10th now. Originally, it was supposed to be November 19th. Before that, it was supposed to be September 7th. And before that, it was supposed to be April 16th. It's crazy. What? I cannot wait. I'm going to go to a shop and buy a physical copy of Cyberpunk, unhook my console from the internet, and play the 1.0 version. I want to see how bad it is. <laughs> that's actually... That's- that's a good idea. Yes, that's a good idea. Because, <laughs> yeah, it went gold a while ago, a couple weeks ago. Even until the day before they delayed it, they were telling people on Twitter that, yes, it's not getting delayed again. It got delayed because they are trying to optimize the game for many different consoles, which sounds like a big task to accomplish if you think about it, right? Because The Witcher launched on three platforms, PC, PS4, Xbox One, but this thing is launching for PlayStation 4, PlayStation 4 Pro, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, Xbox One X, Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S, PC, and like it, it, it's a long hey, don't list. Hey, Stadia. And Stadia, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what they said in their post, right? That like it was really just mm-hmm. for those final tweaks. It They even addressed in that post like, because the, the big question is like, really, three weeks, is that going to get you what you need? And they were like, we realize that that doesn't sound like a lot of time, but it is. Um, so we'll see, I guess. It is when no one can go home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yikes. Thoughts um, and prayers to all the developers. Absolutely. Yeah. I personally was very relieved by this news because um, it was going to be a lot of extra work to get that done on top of you know the the hardware reviews that we're doing for the next gen consoles and the the launch titles um so just from a purely like work standpoint being a reviews editor it was like oh thank god one less thing to worry about right now (laughs) um but obviously i am more concerned for i hope this doesn't mean like you're working 88 hours a week to do this final push um but we've we've talked a lot about that topic so we don't need to talk about it anymore really i mean i don't know how much more there is to add about this apart from what they've said what we've said before i mean i'm disappointed uh but like i don't know it's three weeks i'll survive don't message developers about how angry you are because that's messed up and i saw a lot of that on twitter 
I know no one listening to this podcast would do that, but tell your friends who might do that not to do that because that's real fucked up. They already have to work a lot. They're putting their heart and soul into this game. So just relax. Yeah. It'll come. We'll be able to play it. In 2077. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we'll be back with some listener questions about those boxes. And we are back with listener questions. If you have any questions, you can email us at afterdarkpodcast at gamespot.com or you can join our Discord by DMing myself and we will get you right in there. Uh, questions this week are all from discord because earlier today I put out a message saying, Hey, if you have any series X or PS five questions, let me know. I can't answer a lot of them. Uh, but here are the ones we can answer, which may not be the most exciting ones, but here we go. Anyway, the first one is from Garrelis Gambit. Callie, do you want to read this one? Yes. Just like opening a new game case and getting that fresh plastic smell. Does the Xbox series S and or X and PS five have that good plastic smell? You know, Garrulous Gambit, I I must admit, I did not smell it. I did. All the other senses were covered. I didn't take the time to smell it. it. No, I did not. I did not. (laughs) Smell that good plastic taste. I'm very glad you caught that. No, I did not taste it either. But um, I I smelled the Xbox when I opened it. It smelled like new tech. Yeah. I smelled it. I was like, oh, this is good. This is. There's no. um, The Xbox doesn't have any film to peel off, though, which is very disappointing. Yes. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about that. Not even like on the button, you know? I like, know. Because you know how sometimes like on the... Hmm. You love that good new tech film, but... <laughs> yeah. Is it PlayStation a film? No. Oh. Didn't have film Maybe yet. film is dead. Wow. Bummer. I mean, well, that the, sucks. The film industry stopped doing it a while ago, so... <laughs> it's more environmentally friendly, so... Sure. I was going to say, the the at least from what I could tell, the, the PS5 packaging was particularly like geared towards sustainability. Um that is the the vibe that you get uh, from like the feel of the materials. It's hard to explain. It just like feels compostable. That is mm. not helpful. That's not scientific at all, but yes. Yeah. I mean, I will say the the package, I know we talked about it a little bit, but like opening up the box, it was very well packaged. Like it had its little, a little spot where it kind of was elevated yeah. a little bit and you can just pull it out and unwrap it. Yeah. There isn't that thing of pulling out, like different hunks of cardboard to get to what you need. Like everything is there. The console's yeah. there and behind it, there's like a little like uh, contain like box package that you can just flip open and grab your controller and very oh, wow. accessible. Um, yeah, very easy to rebox too. If, definitely. You know, for some reason you'd have to do that if you, whether or not you want to move it or you bought it and you want to sell it. <laughs> yeah. Like probably worth keeping the boxes this time around. You're doing that yeah. um, like Christmas Eve thing where you install the firmware software updates for your kid or whatever for the recipient. Mm. Then you repackage it. I think that's the the PS5 packaging was was the hunks of cardboard for sure. Oh. Uh, next question here is from Bob Jones, 1980. Question: Can both consoles be easily placed on their sides? With the Xbox Series X, yeah, you can just I don't know. Make sure you got the it's lined up with the rubber feet, and you can just move it however you'd like. The uh, PS5, you have to, um, yeah, there's uh, instructions for like different ways to orient the base and like you can't just, you're not supposed to prop it up um, either on its side or standing up um, without the base. And it was a little, it wasn't confusing. It was just a little tricky because you have to like rotate it a certain way and there's a secret compartment with a screw in it. And then you have to rotate it the correct way for if you want the PS5 standing up. And if you want it on its side, you then have to rotate it 
a different way. And so it, it was it was one of those like some assembly required things. And I had to get a screwdriver from my dad to get the base installed. But I, I would probably say put it on its it's it's a uh, standing up. Put it on its standing up. Um, make it stand up because that that just seems more natural. The the side one just to me doesn't feel as um, as good. There's just something off about the vibe of it to me. Uh, next one from Carbon. How how ugly really is the PS5? It is. You know, it, it's it's not horrible. I really didn't. I would, talked about how much I disliked the PS5 a lot. I think when we first saw its appearance it does kind of look like a, a an ultra modern skyscraper in a way i saw a tweet saying it looked like gentrification <laughs> um which i thought was very funny but um it I, I, honestly i really like the light gray color of it and um i i don't hate it um it's not my favorite that the, the it's no series s let's just say that all right, last question here is from Jacob McCourt. What are the must-have key accessories that we should have ready for the PS5 and Xbox One X? Sorry, Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S. I mean, as for the Xbox, I mean, I think this is one of the first Xboxes that doesn't come with like a crappy headset. It just doesn't have a headset. So if you if you plan on playing online, make sure you've got a headset. Now, obviously, it's got a regular what is it 3.5 millimeter headphone jacks so if you already have one of those you're set but if you want to like upgrade your headset for these new consoles uh that's something i would consider and then the other big thing for the xboxes too are the little storage expansion cards because the series x has one terabyte which ends up around 800 i think michael said in his preview and then the series s has 512 gigabytes which that one in particular probably needs that storage expansion card. Get a play and charge kit. There you got double A batteries again. So once those run out, you'll need to buy more batteries, which is very environmentally unfriendly. So get a play and charge kit. That's a good one too. That's mm-hmm. a really good one. Um, for the PS5, they have um, a headset, although the like 3D audio I think works with any headset, so you don't need to get that branded one. Um, probably, you know, if the the dual sense obviously is like similar to the dual shock in that it it charges um if you don't like keeping it plugged into the ps5 if the ps5 is far away from where you're sitting um a charging dock is probably useful i would say i found that was like one thing i never got for my ps4 that i always like really like that was always on my list and i just never got around to it and then it was like oh the ps5 is coming out it's too late now but i i have one for the ps5 and um i would say that's a handy thing so you don't have to like sit around really close to the tv if you want to keep playing or wait for the controller to charge and before we close out one last thing i want to remind people of is GameSpot extra life GameSpot staff will be doing our annual 72 hour stream of palooza starting november 20th at 12 p.m pacific we'll be streaming with various members of the GameSpot staff and friends to help raise money for ucsf benioff children's hospital you can check out our extra life page at tiny.cc slash gs extra life 2020 we'll be updating it with more details such as schedule closer to the event you can also stream with us as well if you'd like to join our stream team and you can do that by doing by going to tiny.cc slash gs extra life team and we'll update people in the discord and whatnot so if you want to catch some community streams head over there and we'll make sure to promo those but yeah that's been episode 65 of GameSpot after dark Thank you all so much for listening and thank you guys for joining me this week. Callie, where can people find you and what are you working on? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Inky Dojiko, I-N-K-Y-D-O-J-I-K-K-O. And um, 
I will be working on a ton of next gen coverage, mostly reviews. Um, so be sure to read GameSpot reviews as always. That's what I say every week. But yeah. And Ed, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Edmund Tran. Don't know what's uh, coming up after this week, but I'll still be talking about games on Twitter like a regular person. And Jess? Uh, you can find me on Twitter where I'm at Jess McDonald. I also am Twitch streaming again, and I posted a video to YouTube in the first time in two years, uh, for which I was roasted, which is fair enough. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm in and around. I don't know where I'm going to be in a few weeks, but uh, keep an eye out because there'll be something. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having us. We'll miss you Thank so you. much. Yeah, I'm going to miss, miss working with both of you so much. It's a shame we couldn't have one uh, final E3 this year. Um, but oh well, in our hearts and minds. And now E3 is dead, so never mind. Honestly, like this group of people is so amazing. Like locally, every iteration of the GameSpot Australian office has been great. When I joined, we were seven. Um, and at this point, we're three uh, with with our little um, borrowed American uh, who, who will be going home at the end of the year. Uh, and it's just been fantastic. Um, it's just the best group of people, the most talented group of people like across the world. And um, yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of good times. We've had a lot of drinks. We've had a lot of um, crazy TGSs that were really good E3 times. Yeah, TGS uh, was definitely a, a regular highlight when that happened. I remember my first TGS um, when Ricardo uh, Torres was still editor, and that was just an eye-opening experience to hang out with the GameSpot Live team and like Ryan McDonald and all those guys, and just it felt like a trial by fire because those guys worked so hard and they played really hard as well. <laughs> um, and I just enjoyed having getting to do that, um, traveling and meeting a bunch of new people through the ages, through the decade. Um, and yeah, there hasn't been a dud in the bunch. Everyone at GameSpot is wonderful. And it's been a dream, and it's been a dream for... It's been a really long dream, and I'm really lucky that I got to do that for, like, 12 years. So, yeah, grateful, if nothing else. Yeah. You're going to give yourself a little bit of a break, Ed, after 12 years? Uh, look, new consoles just came out, dude. Like, I, <laughs> it's like I'm not going to stop playing games just because um, I don't work for games anymore. But I will, I will enjoy the freedom to play more of what I want uh, rather than what I need to play. Um, so finally gonna go to that back catalog maybe but probably not yeah, <laughs> we'll just play more into the breach more into the <laughs> oh, breach yeah. Yeah. it'll be such a different relationship with games uh, if we don't end up back in some kind of games media it's just it's been so long of like not having that guilt when I go back and play Heroes 3 for like yeah. four months of the year again we'll just be like oh, okay I'm alright <laughs> yeah, good times sad. Good Great times. Classic hits. Yeah, we did good. GG.